0: for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals.
1: My name is Jonathan Van Valen. Delighted to be here. I'm going to share a story with you about my own near-death experience that took place after a surgery that I underwent. And this is not one of those on-the-operating-table kinds of near-death experiences, this was actually something that lasted much, much longer than that. That story begins when I'm let out of the hospital. I was in the hospital for about four days, and my father had decided he was going to watch over me in my recovery once I was released from the hospital. And so he picks me up from the hospital and takes me out to the family farmhouse. I'm 29 years old, the record, at the time, and had been sort of a functioning grown-up for at least a little while and yet my father still wants to be the one that watches over me, takes me out to the farmhouse, and, and there's not much to do. The surgery that I had gone through was for sleep apnea, and that's a condition in which you stop breathing when you sleep, which has a bunch of obvious effects that could be trouble. And so unlike most people that encounter that, I had it was sort of agreed that the surgery was really the only good solution for me in, the, during, in this uh, situation, And most people don't solve it that way. But one of the reasons that they don't do that is because the recovery from this kind of surgery is known to be really exceptionally painful. And reason for that is that there's all this nerve tissue that comes up through this part of your body. And when you surgically remove a large portion of the back of the throat and your soft palate and there was a few chips of bone removed from the skull behind my nose and things like that, and... These are parts of the bodies that are very, very nerve-rich. And you have to continue to use them to do things like breathe and to swallow and things like that. And so the analogy given me by the doctors at the time was that you're going to be Jonathan, you're going to be one of the few people that knows what it's like to have to break your femur and then have to walk on it. And that turned out to be very presciently accurate. And... That was absolutely mind-bendingly, knee-buckling, blackout-level pain. And there's really not any alternative to it. It's just how it's going to be until things heal up. And we all had some awareness of that. I mean, I understood that before I went into this, but but that's the circumstance under which my father has come and picked me up and decided to take me a two-hour drive out to the farmhouse, and he's going to watch out for me. And that's about it. So it's a very quiet existence in which I have next to nothing to do other than sort of stare out a window for the next few days and deal with this pain and hopefully begin the healing process. And about four days, I think, into his care, I'm just sitting around in the living room, the farmhouse. This is about two hours east of Seattle. And it's a beautiful summer day. It's the middle of August. And internally, inwardly, I experienced what I can best describe as simply an inner click. And In that moment of that click, I saw and understood immediately that my body was beginning to die, that the animating life force in it was beginning to drain away. And what f- there was something that flooded in immediately upon that recognition, which was so startling to me. And that was that In this instant in which I could recognize that my body was beginning to die, I recognized at the same time that I was not my body. And the way that happened was simply that it was experienced that the body that was beginning to die was something that I was looking at and experiencing it, but I was experiencing it from a different frame of reference. So it was like immediately recognizing my body was beginning to die and that the one doing the recognizing the sort of seat of this consciousness that's the seat of this awareness was not dying in fact the aspect of my being that was recognizing that my body was dying very very clearly was not dying and so there was this awareness the body's dying but i'm not dying and so it seems like the body and the me there's a way in which there's two different things that floods in in this moment of this click, And it has an effect that is staggering to me at the time because what that also meant in that moment was that the pain in that body wasn't mine either. And so there was a complete release from the suffering of the pain. It didn't mean that the pain in the body itself was gone. The pain in that body was as present as before. It's just that it was seen that the pain in that body wasn't affecting this aspect of my own being that wasn't the body. So it sort of rendered that pain simply irrelevant. It just, it didn't matter. It didn't have any real effect. It was still there, but I was released from the suffering of it completely. And that is an extraordinary and a remarkable kind of freedom to have flood in after days and days of, like I described, this sort of absolutely blackout level of pain. It's a remarkable kind of freedom. Something else flooded in in that in that exact same moment. It's the moment of that click, that moment of recognizing my body was beginning to die. It was also clear that the way that that life force was ebbing away, it was happening rather slow. It was, it was sort of gradual. And that this was not an imminent death. It was going to be a little while, probably at least a day and a half, maybe two, I couldn't have said at the time. I just knew that it was happening relatively slowly. And having been completely released from the suffering of it in that moment then, and seeing that it was draining away slowly, contributed also to this feeling of, well, there's nothing to worry about here. There's there's plenty of time here. If I want to do something about this, I can. But there's no urgency in doing so. In any case, it's happening relatively slow. There's going to be some time. But on the heels of that recognition, floods in also another level of of recognition, and experience, and awareness that kind of blows away everything I've already just described, which is that as each iota, as each molecule, it seems, of life force drains away, there's an equal and growing awareness that even that individuated sense of self, even though it's a non-corporeal, Sense of self is beginning to lose its individuality. is beginning to merge. That sense of individuatedness is beginning to merge into an absolutely overarching, overwhelming, all-encompassing allness. And so in addition to this release from the suffering, there is this, this merging into, it becomes very difficult to put it into words. It's it's why to me, words like the divine begin to make sense, or even God, it's a difficult word to use. In some ways because it has such such different meanings to so many different people but when we're talking about merging into the ineffable allness that is an overwhelming and all-encompassing peace it's hard to find a better word than the divine or even God but but there we were and so yes again as having been first released from that sense of pain and released from feeling as though the limitations of my own physical body were limitations at all essentially I was experiencing what it was like to be without those physical limitations. And that releases this experience into this realm of, first of all, there's no suffering of it. It's an incredible release in its own right. And if there's no suffering, then there is not much of a sense of there being a problem. And at the same time, if there's there's a sense of merging into what is absolutely infinite and vast and contains all, And if you are merging into what is absolutely all, there cannot also be any sense of loss because there is, because it's all. And so there's no sense of fear about it in any way. And all of this essentially sort of floods in kind of simultaneously upon the recognition that my body is beginning to die. I am released from the pain, I'm released from the suffering, I'm released from fear in any way. One of the funniest outcomes of it then is that there was no sense whatsoever of this being a problem or a tragedy or an issue of any kind. <laughs> and so it was also as if there was no nothing to be done. And I didn't as a result. I just I basically sat as I had been before, in, except now where before it had been an experience of almost really literal hell. It was now an experience of the most overwhelming beatific piece I could possibly have conceived of. In fact, I couldn't really have conceived of it until having met it directly in my direct experience. Someone could have described that piece to me, but I couldn't really have grasped what they were describing without experiencing it directly. And there I was experiencing it directly. And so I, I essentially sat in that awe and in that peace all afternoon. Again, I'm, I'm at the farmhouse. My father is there. He's sort of in and out of the house all day. He's periodically checking on me and seeing if I'm getting along all right. In the meantime, he's doing house chores and farm chores and all kinds of things. And at some point, he does come in and he looks at me and I look back at him and I can't imagine how to say anything to him. First of all, there's no impulse to do it. Everything in that moment seems to be a moment of such really truly exquisite uh, perfection and peace that there's again there's just no sense of something else needing to be done there's no alert that needs to be made and so he comes in and checks on me i just kind of look back and I, i probably you know probably nodded or smiled or just acknowledged him and and he just acknowledged me and clearly thought everything was all right which it was overwhelmingly and carried on with his tasks and it was just sort of like that all afternoon the another as- aspect of that it, the fact that the sort of overwhelming pieces flooded in was that i thought as the the night began to you know, evening comes and for days in a row now facing this pain and all this sort of thing there had been hardly any sleep and very poor sleep if if at all and so on this particular evening i, I find myself thinking, well i wow, I think I might actually be able to go to sleep and get some rest, this is, why not? And uh, so eventually, I, you know, like anyone does, uh, eventually I just it's time to lie down and try to go to sleep. So I actually do, I, I, I wake up during the night a few times, you know, and I, every time I wake up, I, I check in again, this experience, is my body still dying? Is that life force still ebbing away? Yes, it is. And it's ebbing away a little faster now, a little faster. Am I still in that peace? Yes, overwhelmingly. In fact, still, as every molecule of life force drains away, that merging of infinite is increasing as well. It is speeding up in exactly the same way that the draining way of life force is speeding up. And that's how I wake the following morning. And again, that's just how I sort of I wake up to this. And I'm in a state of absolute awe and the deepest peace I can imagine there's a lot to unpack there in in terms of people have often asked what was this an out-of-body experience and it can be a little subtle in the way that i would typically want to answer that because it wasn't as though i felt as though my body was over there and i was in a separate specific place it was that my awareness was aware that that body wasn't me but where was that awareness located was it located in some other finite spot? Not really. There was no way I could precisely locate it. Even if it felt like I, I was still looking out of my usual eyeballs, I knew that the seat of my awareness was still not contained by or uh, limited by the bodily limitations. I, I knew that that body very clearly wasn't, wasn't me. But where was that sense of that sense of self then? Well, again, that sense of individuated sense of self had had also begun to soften to to dissolve essentially into this merging uh this merging with the infinite this merging with the divine this merging with all and again if you if you try to encapsulate all then how do you pick a specific spot where the allness is well it's it's all it's everywhere <laughs> and so it's sort of the you know the experience of just sort of transcending all those three-dimensional limitations and again if, if it is so steeped in that allness, it cannot be missing it. And if it's not missing anything, there there is and there was no sense of lack or want or need. There was nothing, there was no sense in any way that something was broken. And if there's no sense of any of those things, then how could there really be any sense of fear? There wasn't. And again, how could there be anything, any sense that there was something wrong then? One of the things that this afforded me was an opportunity to from this vantage point of merging into the allness, I still had this opportunity. Then, and this is I'm, you know, talking about the, this following day, where over the now previous almost twenty-four hours now, I've had a chance to sort of look at this merging into the divinity, merging into the allness, and recognize that too is that's happening. It's speeding up, and it will come to its completion at some point, but but I actually can see that I have a choice. And if I, think of it, if I think of it in terms of a doorway or a threshold to cross, as people often do, I can see that what I really have is a very real choice. I can continue in this direction. I can go through that doorway. I can step over that threshold. But I also very clearly have a choice to not go through that doorway if I want. And the, for reasons I couldn't explain at the time at all, there was a feeling like, I think I'm not going to go through the doorway. It's just not, I think it's not time yet. I think I'm just not going to step over the threshold for the record. There's no sense of effort in that in any way at all. It is merely a choice. There's no sense of having to try hard for, you know, to do this or step forward or step back or anything like that. It's just, but there was a choice and it was very clear and It's an interesting thing to consider, simply because if the choice is between something like the most overwhelming beatific piece you could possibly conceive of, in which there's no lack, want, or need, and no sense of fear of any kind, then wouldn't it be natural to go towards that? It is natural. And yet, again, there was still this something still that said, ah, I think maybe it's it's not quite time, and I think there's things about this regular world that I think there's some things I need to do here. I don't even know what they are this moment, this time, but I'm pretty sure I'm gonna stick around. And it's sort of like 51%, I'm gonna stay, 49%, I'm, I'm absolutely happy to go into that piece even more fully. And when my father again comes in that following day at some point, he comes in to check on me. And this time, it's a little different. I see him come in the room, down, sort of squinches his eyes up, look real carefully at me, and he just says, Son, "Jonathan, I, I think something's not right. I think we're going to load up the car. and We're going to drive back over to the hospital. And because of this reflection I've been going through, I, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I'm on board. Yeah, that sounds good. I think I'm going to stay. I'm not going to go through that doorway. This merging with the infinite, it's not going to be completed. I'm not going to lay this body aside." I'll stay. I don't tell him this. I still can't imagine how to put any of this into words for my father. It is impossible at the time. First of all, my my literal ability to speak with the healing of my throat is, uh, I have a lot of healing I still need to do. So at most, I can eke out sort of a whispered word if I wanted to at this point. But despite the physical inability to really speak much at all, I could not possibly have conceived of how it would be possible to look at my father and say, hey dad, You know, myself and my body, those are two different things, one of which is basically irrelevant. And uh, also, you know, I've been merging into the allness that contains all, and it's like merging into the divine. It's more exquisite and beatific and beautiful than I can possibly put words into. And, and, uh, yeah, uh, I could not imagine how to say any of that to my father in a way that I felt I could make, make sense for him and so i just didn't and there was also no impulse there was no drive if everything already seems utterly perfect there's just no there may be no drive to to make that communication there wasn't any drive at all so none of this is really communicated to him directly but he has now said hey we got to go back over to the hospital and i've said all right i'm on board and uh i dawdle and i take all the time and you know, eventually we load up the car, we go back to the hospital, I'm taken to the ER. It's the same hospital that the original surgery was done. And they medically confirm that my body has in fact been dying. It's been dying for the dumbest reason on the planet, which is dehydration, and which is also very easy to fix. So they poke me with an IV, a saline drip, dumps probably a liter and a half of fluid into my body, and all of these processes begin to reverse the merging with the infinite begins to reverse the the falling away of that life force clearly reverses immediately begins to flow back in and i'm i am in fact coming back and i do eventually a few hours go by they observe and they're satisfied and they allow us to head back so you know back in the car back to the farmhouse it takes three weeks of recovery for me to return to Something more fully functional. So three weeks later is when I actually return to my own home. I go back to my job, at a, yeah, and uh, working for a little technology company at the time. And it's sort of like going back to regular life. And what I would stress about coming back at the moment was simply that the I had a, a very difficult time reconciling these experiences with regular life. And in fact. The first thing I did was kind of bury them. I didn't speak about them. I still couldn't figure out how to speak about them. And so the fact is I just did. And it took another decade for all of this to begin to sort of reconcile. And what I would say about sort of tying a bow on this experience for a moment, wanting to share with people is simply this. Overwhelmingly, it showed me that death need not be feared. And what's also what I felt both that I experienced directly and could and could share about it is simply that most people most of the time are going to go through an experience of their own in a form that's like this. It's going to be uniquely tailored to their own understanding and their own perceptions. But that still encompasses the deepest peace that they'll ever have encountered, which is likely far beyond any kind of peace they've experienced in their ordinary earthly life. And when people go through this, they're going to encounter the deepest love they've ever experienced in a way that encompasses whatever and whomever was meaningful. Again, it's going to be in a form that's unique to them because that is the form in which they can understand that love. So the perceptual form of these things can be wildly varied and unique to the experiencer, which I'm sure is well documented on this YouTube channel. And that's gonna include you as well, whoever is listening. But the underlying content of, of all of those kinds of experiences is still gonna be a sort of overwhelming peace and a love. And that's gonna be the common ground that's shared by all these experiences. And when grounded in the awareness of that peace, it's only natural that, that even further, that there's gonna be some way in which you become aware like that little drop falling into the ocean that you are one with everything though in a way in which there's still a total lack of fear or suffering and if you're everything then there cannot be anything missing everything is whole there could be no lack or want or need of any kind and so again how could there be a fear or any sense of loss and and so again we we end up pointed back to an experience of the deepest peace imaginable and beyond any imagine, or by any other word, love. And perhaps in these experiences, with whether, whether they're mine or other indie ears on this channel, they may sound outrageous or extraordinary or beyond your own personal reach, whomever's listening. But the thing is, if you've ever touched the slightest aspect of love in any form, then you have, in fact, touched these things. Your own capacity for these experiences, though they will be unique to you according to your unique makeup, is no different than my capacity for them. In some form, at some time, they will come your way. In my case, it took over a decade to reconcile, and really fully accept and surrender to the truths I experienced in this NDE. A decade with a whole slew of other experiences that ultimately showed me that what I'd experienced really was true. And those experiences and truths, which really are one, eventually pushed me through a permanent shift in awareness that that really utterly upended how I see and experience the world and eventually settled in to become the guiding light of my presence here. And if you'd like to hear about that next part of the journey, I encourage you to visit Other Side Media's new YouTube channel. It's called The Outer Realm. And that's where Nella will interview me again about this next part of the story. And if you'd like to be in touch with me directly about any of this, or find some resources or teachings that that complement what I've shared here today, I encourage you to find me at assistthespirit.com. And anyone who finds me there, I do try to respond to every person that writes me. And in the meantime, may the peace that passes all understanding find you that you may know it is with you always. Thanks.